Welcome to the Football Boardroom Podcast. In this pilot episode, we've got a special feature with the Plymouth Argyle chairman, Simon Hallett. We're your hosts. I'm Freddie March. And I'm Luke Wasilenko. We will be talking to Simon about his experiences as a modern-day football owner, a typical day in a life, and a segment about Plymouth Argyle's geographical and demographical advantages and disadvantages as a business. We're now going to pass you over to Ewan, who's going to be interviewing Simon Hallett. We are delighted to be joined here by Simon Hallett, who is speaking to us from California. Thank you very much for giving us your time. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, Plymouth Argyle is obviously a club followed by a large fan base. Is that one of the main reasons that you decided to purchase the club? No, not at all. Um, The reason I decided to purchase the club was after I'd been a shareholder for about four years and ended. I gradually ended up in control. Um, But my original intention uh, when I became a minority shareholder was simply to be a small shareholder and on the board of the club that I supported. I've been an Argyle fan since I was a kid. That's good to hear because it's always brilliant. Our, people always want a fan in charge of their club because you always give the best out of the club. So currently Argyle are top of League One. They're flying high. Uh, in terms of recruitment, how much of a say do you have in that? Or do you just leave that down to more of the other people in charge? Uh, I leave it down to the other people in charge. Um, it, it, it raises an interesting issue, though. Argyle is not governed in the same way as football clubs traditionally have been governed. Uh, traditionally, the guy who, and it's always, of course, a guy, um, who has the most shares is the chairman, and the chairman is effectively the executive chairman running the club. And historically, a lot of clubs didn't even have chief executives. Argyle is run much more like um, a uh, a listed uh, company or a, a regular company. We have a board of directors who set strategy. I'm the chair of that board of directors. Uh, we set we set the overall strategy. We get updates from our chief executive, but the chief executive is the one who formulates the plan for uh, implementing the strategy and actually making sure it happens. Uh, he's then held accountable by the board, again, of which I'm just the chairman. So when it comes specifically to the football side of things and recruitment in particular, um, the only thing that I have said is that uh, our goal is to get better at using data and to get better at uh, effectively decision-making. Everybody focuses on data analytics. It's quite fashionable these days, but it's really just a subset of um, how how to uh, make decisions more objectively rather than constantly going with your gut. So that's been part of what the board has demanded. But on a day-to-day basis, I find out, I find out, I literally find out about transfers about 20 minutes before the public does, when our club secretary says we are about to announce a signing. Okay. Obviously, due to our goals, where where Plymouth is in the country, have you ever had feedback that it's a bit more difficult to attract players? Yes. Um, I think Tony Poulis, who's a kind of well-known, was a well-known Premier League manager, but also a manager of Argyle at one stage, talked about how it's so much easier to run a club in Stoke than it is in Plymouth, because grandma's never more than 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it really is an important thing, you know, that people forget that footballers are, uh, they're young men, uh, often with partners, families, young, young, always young families, and uh, they don't have the family support groups around, around them to help with the family while they are often away for, you know, a couple of days in a row, particularly from Plymouth, where we travel on a, a 
a Friday, and you know, the the uh, team members, uh, the first team members, often don't get back till the early hours of Sunday. So it's a long weekend. I do think that it's the club's duty to make sure that you know these young families are are looked after as much as possible. So we do try very hard to make it an attractive place for young families. And you know when when they come down here, of course, Plymouth and the West Country is a, is actually a wonderful place to. Mm -hmm. Uh, bring up a family, as as Stephen Schumacher, our manager, has uh, has talked about in public. I, I agree with that. I'm, as a someone from Cornwall myself, I, I am a big fan of Plymouth. Um, on more of a sort of generic question, just to do with our whole podcast as a total, what's the day in the life of a football owner like? Um, well, it, it's, it's it's actually very little to do with football. Um, I have a I'm, I I kind of have two half jobs. Um, my uh, job as Chairman of Argyle, which on a day-to-day -day basis means nothing. Um, you know, I, I occasionally talk to other owners. I get an update from our uh, CEO uh, once a week, or usually turns out to be about once every ten days, and I pass on what he tells me to uh, other members of the board of directors. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't have much to do with the club at all. Um, having said that, you've got to remember I'm a fan, mm -hmm. and you know, I like to talk occasionally to our manager. I like to talk occasionally to our data analyst. It's a particular interest of mine. Um, but I recognize that in doing so, I have to be very careful that they know that I'm talking as a fan, not mm -hmm. as you know the majority shareholder or, or even as a, a director. Um, so the other half of my job is that I'm now semi-retired from my job where I was chief investment officer of uh, a kind of reasonably large investment firm. And I'm still involved with that. So much of my day, uh, work day, is spent you know, reading emails, catching up with people, making sure that everything's okay, and lending support to my successor as CIO at, uh, at my firm. My life is much more as a grandfather than as uh, the chairman of a football club. Going back to Argyle, obviously, um, Argyle, Argyle fans have always been a bit wary about other people coming into the club because obviously the issues of what happened in 2011 with administration... What sort of plans and promises do you have in place to make sure that nothing like that happens again? The, the main way that we can guard against it is by being completely transparent. And, you know, I think at Argyle, we, we publish our values, which are available on the website that I hope you've seen. Yeah. And one of those is transparency. So the last uh, four or five years, we've, been, uh, we've gone to great lengths to make sure that our fans and anybody interested knows exactly what's going on at the club. We were the first, uh, I think we were the first EFL club to publish full report, uh, full financial reports uh, for the year ending in June, which were filed at Companies House. Um, we changed our year end to be consistent with the rest of the league. We publish uh, very full accounts when we're not legally obliged to. Uh, and um, I think that transparency means that, you know, the fans know what's going on at the whole time. Um, when it comes to new shareholders, we've um, uh, recently announced that we have a 20% shareholder um, uh, called Argyle Green, which uh, is a uh, partnership of a bunch of uh, wealthy, um, almost entirely Americans, not, not entirely, but mostly Americans. Um, it, it's impossible to know when you get a new shareholder or when you employ somebody, for example, um, about their character. Um, you can do due, due diligence, you can do deep searches, you can hire private investigators, 
you can do everything you can, but you, you never know enough. So what we've done in the case of Argyle Green is limit, which is the name of this uh, partnership, is limit their uh, holding in Argyle to 20%. Uh, at 20%, uh, they get uh, two seats on the board. We get to know them. We get to know their characters, not just you know their public faces. And you know, I think uh, over the as the years go by, they will probably end up with a greater shareholding, but only if we like what we see. So you know, I think trust is the key issue, and trust, the trust of the fans is earned by being transparent, and the trust between shareholders is earned, I think, over time. Yeah, as an Argyle fan, I think I speak for all when you say that you've got our trust, and you've obviously pushed the club into a better position now, and obviously, yeah. hopefully, that can take us into the championship. So thank you very much. Let's hope. Yeah, that's certainly our mission. Sustainable Championship Club. Thank you very much for joining us, Simon. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Right. Thanks for that, Ewan. Really interesting interview. I think what came across is how much uh, Simon Hallett cares about the club. And obviously it's working on the field because they are top of the league. Yeah, absolutely. And as well as working on the field, it's also working very well off the field. Uh, last season, Plymouth Argyle had the highest turnover in the club's history, generating £11.3 million, which in comparison, you look at clubs like Berry, who, well, they don't exist anymore because they didn't have owners that were fully invested into the club. Uh, with Plymouth Argyle, you can see that Simon Hallett really cares about the club and and you can see the effects um, that it has on and off the field. It also helps when you support the club from young as well. So... Uh... That's all we have time for today. A big thanks to Simon Hallett for joining us here on the Football Boardroom Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. See you next time.